0: Welcome to episode 74 of the Half Point Crew Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs. So glad to be back this week. Major shout out to Eli for, for hopping in and mock drafting with you guys last week. Uh, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalton Willie and my producer, Johnny
1: Pham. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Oh, buddy, I am going through it. Um, we are <laughs> during the middle of Beat Street season, and i've started a new job this week so i can't just grind the beats wow. i missed the joy of this morning of rojo as a potential cut uh earlier this week yeah. i missed some more joy of fat lenny it's it's been it's been horrible that i can't i think there's plenty of money to go around I, th- I think i think there's still some there if you if you want in on that i don't know word on the street is he's actually working out really hard uh jim Jimerson nfl <laughs> reported that so Johnny, how are you tonight with your uh,
0: Coke Zero and, and Goldfish over there? Oh, okay, yeah, let's just out me with my <laughs> snacks right now. Uh, it's going hey, good. If you start pouring like a four-gallon van of Goldfish directly into your mouth, I've, I've got it. It's not four gallons, it's 30 ounces <laughs> or 1.8 pounds, but it's going good. Uh, we are so close to being done with landscaping. I think this is the last weekend, and then we should be free, I hope. Well, in case, anyone, in case anyone was curious, I was, in fact, at Disney last week, and Universal got no, this extremely no, Epco- sick oh. lightsaber. Oh, oh, I don't know if you can, like, hear the the sound of it. No, I heard, we heard you turn it on. Anyone on YouTube getting a nice little treat, very, very <laughs> authentic Luke Skywalker lightsaber. Well, not divulge how much I paid for it. That's, uh, you know what, podcast is doing well. That's all I can say. <laughs>
1: and now we're gonna to have to slap a seizure warning on this video so thanks for that one hey i will say that <laughs> is
0: pretty realistic like if you look Where up the skywalker it? sound it's the exact same how the heavy same. is it it's like a, like five, it's metal, five pounds like uh, not five to pounds. It? it's not five pounds but you could it like it doesn't feel like plastic it's definitely metal it's good and it it's funny it comes with like uh you can the blade is removable and you have to pay extra for that by the way so if you ever <laughs> want to get one of those uh Little, little hot tip, but it comes with like a thing that you can take off the edge of the handle and put on like a longer one. So it looks better, like on display. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty legit. But like I said, not divulging the, the cost of said lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump right in to our AFC previews. We can start, what I say, AFC East. You know what? We'll, we'll start with a pretty easy team. Probably one of the top three offenses in the NFL. And if you guys haven't been reading my team previews, they will be out. If you're listening to this on the podcast version, it's already out. If you're joining us on YouTube at any point tonight, it'll be out tomorrow on Friday. Uh, Dalton, what is your storyline that you're looking at for the Buffalo Bills this season? Oh, they're going to say the Jets. Sorry. I, I just said <laughs> top three offense. <laughs>
1: Um, unfortunately, it seems like the theme of this fantasy season is me going back in time and just hating on my old takes because the question I'm asking myself is will Josh Allen be the QB one again. And I think that the odds are no longer in his favor. Really? uh, You don't think so. Well, more importantly, I think that there's so much being baked into so many players' ADPs that Josh Allen repeats two performances he's had two years in a row Mm -hmm. that you're losing a lot of value by the the draft position of some of these players. Do you you have the stat on Josh Allen?
0: I don't want to steal your thunder if you do. On the last guy that was back-to-back QB1 seasons before Josh Allen just did it? No, I don't. So you Dante can, Culpepper, 2003, 2004, wow. the last time someone went back to back. So wow. I, I highly doubt he went three times, but yeah, I, I
1: don't know. Well, and that's part of my concern. You have four players going in the top 100 right now, two of them in the top 24 of their position. So you have Diggs in the top 12 overall. You have Gabriel Davis going as a top 24 wide receiver. And in competitive leagues, he's going at the three, four turn, which is probably his ceiling. You have Dawson Knox as the tight end five. You have James Cook, who is a scat back in an offense that's never thrown to the running back, going in the top 100. It's a lot of pressure. And did you Josh. say Devin Singletary in there? I, 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 well, actually, Devin Singletary is going lower than, is said. he really? Yeah. Man, we're, yeah, we're, our ADPs that
0: we're looking, cause I'm just using fantasy pros for our previews, just cause that's kind of less, uh, less of the sharps, more of like average people. And, I think I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think
1: Singletary is is higher than, than Cook in that one. Well, then even then he he'd be going in the top 100. So we're yeah. like at six players, and that's just asking a lot of an offense. That and I spoke about this on our top 12 release, which everybody should listen to that when it drops on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Allen did not just have like a full fledged QB one season. He had like a seven point game. The Jags game was abysmal. The Falcons game, it took an entire game for him to get to almost 20 points. The Steelers game to start the season, there were questions about whether or not Josh Allen was even going to repeat last year. And a lot of those issues came from the offensive line. And I know everybody thinks the Bills had luxury picks in this draft. They didn't. The right side of their line is still pretty bad. Uh, Pro Football Focus has them as a top 14 line, but they have some older guys there. And so I'm going to be watching that. I think that we're getting really, really rich on all of the players in this Bills offense, and no one's talking about what the potential departure of Brian Dabble could mean, especially Mm -hmm. for Josh Allen's development. That's been huge. McDermott has consistently been a defensive coach. So I just think the majority of the Buffalo Bills, probably excluding Diggs in my opinion, are just way too overpriced at this point for me to want to take any of them in fantasy. This is shocking. I have Josh
0: Allen as a love in my team preview that comes out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I will say – i did i did give the caveat in there and i'll give it here too i don't love where he's at like on the overall board i would not take a quarterback in the second round maybe in the third round but if you're talking just among quarterbacks you know i think the top two or three quarterbacks are pretty interchangeable for me with mahomes allen and uh lamar jackson would be my third And I'm totally fine with with Allen as the top guy. So that's why he's a love for me. But, no, I'm looking at over here now, Devin Singletary is 74 overall on the RB29 on Fantasy Pro, so he's significantly higher on there. Gabe Davis, interestingly, a little bit lower on on here, wide receiver 30. And that's what I'm going to be curious about these next couple of weeks and the end of the season. First, these next few weeks, how high can Gabriel Davis actually get on on draft boards before we start drafting because if he does actually go wide receiver 30 he will have been the most talked about wide receiver 30 of all time before drafts like every day you get on twitter it's something new with Gabe davis it feels like i i highly doubt that's gonna stay if he does stay down there i am totally fine with that i i have him in the lukewarm category like like don't love it but i think that's about right on his value and then during the season there's just a lot of unknown with Davis on like how good this guy actually is. He had a great playoff game last year. No doubt about it. You can't, even though there were definitely some defensive lapses that helped you don't put up 200 yards in a playoff game, unless you're like at least a good NFL receiver, like pretty good, but he's never had more than 65 receptions in the season, never had more than 600 yards. And, you know, I understand that this, we have to forecast the future a lot when it comes to this kind of stuff. So that's what we're doing here. And we're partially forecasting situation too, because I think if you just look at some of the guys around Gabe Davis, like there are other players who are better than him who are behind him, but they're not playing in this offense. Like Juju Smith Schuster is the only guy in a similar caliber of offense. So I I think he has one of the widest variances of any player this year, in my mind, maybe he's just a touchdown machine, which he has been, Uh, he turned he just turned 23 and has 18 touchdowns and just over 120 targets in the regular season so maybe he keeps being a touchdown machine and he gets higher volume and he's you know the starter in two receiver sets. so like that could be a top 15 season or he could struggle and maybe by November he's ranked 10 spots higher than Jamison Crowder because he's carved out a solid role in that offense I I can legitimately see
1: both worlds and I'm just so fascinated to see how that plays out this year I mean, I'm tired of the Gabriel Davis discourse. <laughs> in like April, I was really excited to be all in on him, and mm-hmm. then the entire like fans community went all in on him. His underdog ADP is all the way up to 21, which is above Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson. <sighs> it's, a, I mean, it, it, it's it's too high for me. Um, and this is probably a really boring take, but I think like he like wide receiver 28, 29, 30 he probably belongs in that area. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a upside wide receiver two play. That's what he is. Um, we used to talk about year three being the breakout year, which is where he's at. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with Gabriel Davis because everybody and their mother's doing it. Yeah, but you know the, the the runway is clear for him this year if he's going to make the final leap and be more than just like an end zone target and be a guy who can play between the twenties. And we are still forgetting that like. And I think this is me stealing it from Matt Harmon. The answer to this offense could very well be just more Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and, and Stefan Diggs. And, and that's
0: kind of what I said in our top 12 show that, again, has not yet aired, but will soon. The other day, when we were talking about Diggs, is that we could just see more Diggs yeah. this year as well. Okay, the Dolphins. I don't want to go too long on the Dolphins because there are so many unknowns with this team that it's just really hard to nail down a storyline for me other than it's Tua. It all comes down to Tua. How good can he be? And that's going to be something that we're monitoring in training camp. We're going to be living and dying with every single beat report after every practice. Oh, how many picks did Tua throw today? Oh, he was 17 of 19 in this open session today. He looked great. Oh, he looked like he had never played football in his life before today. We're, it, it, it's going to be just a roller coaster this, this next month. So that is definitely the story, kind of a training camp story, which we'll talk more about training camp specific stories. But then that obviously bleeds into the season because even if he looks great in training camp, this is a guy who's been up and down, mostly down in the NFL so far. So we'll we'll see if arguably two of like the best five deep threats in the league can unlock a guy who has a rocket arm, who showed that in college. I think where he struggles the most is where he has to make multiple reads uh, over the middle.
1: And he's just not proven capable of
0: that yet. That's where he gets in trouble.
1: Yeah. Well, and two is the first quarterback. I've ever seen us having beat reporters tweet air yards out about preseason <laughs> camp. Um, but I have the same storyline. Hua is Tua. Uh I Hua mean that's is in- Tua. Yeah, I like that one, right? Uh I was gonna do it with all of them and I did not have the time. But uh I do think the investments in the wide receivers in this team are really rich for all the question marks around it. Tyreek Hill's wide receiver seven, Jalen Waddle's wide receiver fourteen. That I mean. You're pricing in Jalen Waddle at where he was last year, and he just added an all-NFL talent next to him. Mm -hmm. And then you're hoping that Tyreek Hill also repeats last year with a significant downgrade at quarterback. Uh, The offensive line got kind of better with Armstead, but they were so bad last year that there's a huge gap for them just to be okay. And Armstead's never been a guy that's healthy. And then McDaniels coached a really good San Francisco team behind a really good offensive line, and everybody's doing like a one-to-one with these teams and what McDaniel's is going to do and the other thing is and i didn't think i'd be doing this on the podcast but they also had a really good intermediate passer in jimmy garoppolo and that is legitimately where two is worst at is intermediate throws he's short and deep and the entire shanahan offense is like this intermediate throw into space well you would offense. think
0: that th- you, you would think they're going to
1: recalibrate the offense considering who the quarterback is and considering who their top two receivers are Yes, but I do not think that even with three years in the NFL, we really know what Tua's strengths are as a quarterback, or if he has any, um, <laughs> to be completely honest. And that's not to hate on him. It's just he's not played a full season, and he has a lot of excuses around him. So, yeah. And, so, and I, some are valid, to be clear. He's
0: been playing with one of the worst offensive lines. Yes. And he's been playing in, I think, a pretty easy-to-figure-out and vanilla offense. Yeah, so I'm glad
1: to go for the cheaper options on this team. I don't really like the idea of taking Hill or Waddle at price right now, but like Edmonds, Sonny Michelle, whatever they have in the running back room, and maybe Kosicki or guys that I'd be interested in just taking dart throws at, depending on price.
0: Yep, okay. We go from one uh, okay situation to a truly terrible one, New York, uh, the Jets. Dalton, I I think the main question for me is how good is is Brees Hall really? Because – Number one, he's the best guy on this team who is not tied to Zach Wilson in any way other than moving the football. He might catch some passes, but he doesn't have to rely on him consistently like the two young receivers who everybody loves and Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. And then obviously you've got the Michael Carter factor. So I I think the Brees Hall, Michael Carter battle in training camp and also just throughout the season is probably going to be the biggest storyline on this team because there's a world where neither one of these guys are too fun to use on a weekly basis because Michael Carter is RB35 and Brees Hall is RB24 or there's a world where Brees Hall really emerges and takes over that role and I don't know if we're going to learn that in training camp which is why this is a whole season storyline for me There's there's going to be ups and downs ebbs and flows, there's going to be times that you can buy low and sell high on both these guys in this backfield,
1: I think. Well, it's funny because my takeaway was Brees Hall and Michael Carter, not Michael Carter Williams, are going (laughs) to finish in the top 30 at the end of season scoring for running backs. Not impossible. Um, PFF right now has the Jets offensive line at 13th in their uh, exceptional but not great tier. I think we get a full season of Zach Wilson, but more importantly, I think their defense, uh, gets a little better. We are coming from another Shanahan coaching tree. We go from Shanahan to Shanahan in the East. Um, I do think they want to run the ball. They want to be effective with it. Their problem last year was their defense was so bad. They were getting run off the field and then offensively there was no continuity in that team. McKay Beckton got injured very early on against the Panthers afterwards. Their, their offensive line was really shambled together. Mm-hmm. Um, You had Fant, who came on as a really good right tackle towards the end of the season. It's still probably their biggest question mark. But I think they're going to run the ball. They're going to give Zach Wilson easy looks and do a lot of play action. And the majority of their players outside of Elijah, even with Elijah Moore, their wide receivers are deep downfield threats for the most part. And I think Michael Carter feels a really good hole at their shorter to intermediate routes. And he can do that. He proved he can do it. And NFL level so I like him as their scat back in third down situations because they will be down in games but I think they're going to play more close games and Brees Hall has some really good high value touches to, mm-hmm. to end the season
0: yeah I, I agree with you that if in, in games that they're losing it feels like Carter probably has more value in in those games but it's not out of the question that Brees Hall could just beat him out for the third down roll too I would be a little surprised if Carter was just completely relegated but that's why it's going to be an interesting battle to watch all year. And with the Patriots, the next team, that's the only place I'm looking at on, on this team as well as the backfield. I, I just want to see how this backfield shakes out. Like, would it be the most shocking thing in the world to you if Damian Harris was traded before the season? No. He's on the last year of his contract. And, and- they just drafted Pierre Strong, and I can't think of the second kid who they took, like, one or two rounds later in the draft. Yeah. And then obviously they have Ramondre Stevenson right now.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's my takeaway is it Stevenson's season. 10. Um <laughs> I told you I tried it with some. Um <laughs> we're two for four. I can't wait to see the rest. So I know this is like beat reporter talk and Stevenson was running uh routes, but that is very important storyline because James White's on the pup and was walking with a noticeable gait at their early practices. I don't think he's going to start the season, and there's a good chance James White just doesn't play anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. That hip injury looks to be very nagging. Uh, Just like with last year, it's the same storyline. I like the cheaper back every time I can. Uh, Damian Harris is actually really inexpensive, too, so you could probably get him in, like, round seven. But Stevenson's falling, like, to round 11. Uh, And the crazy stat I found on Stevenson – was he's tied for number one in the league in rush yards over expectation last year. The Mm only other player with him was Jonathan Taylor. And the Mm -hmm. reason we're not talking more about Stevenson is because week one, he had two touches, fumbled the ball, and wasn't heard of for five straight games. I mean, he had to come back on and earn that role again, which takes a lot from Bill Belichick. Yeah, and and, and that's what I
0: wanted to say, too. I think Stevenson actually outplayed Damian Harris down the stretch. It's just when you look back at the season,
1: the counting stats favor Harris because he was there all year. Exactly. Um, And when it comes to high-value touches, Damian Harris only had six more goal-line touches in the last uh, eight games of the season. So Damian Harris wasn't even really the goal-line back. I owned both backs in fantasy last year, and what they would do is they would rotate entire drives. Uh, Mm. So at the end of the day, I like him just because he's cheaper. I don't mind taking Damian Harris. Uh, I do think this entire Patriots offense probably goes backwards this year and gets worse. Uh, But if I'm picking a player, it's probably Stevenson out of them. I think Stevenson's just flat better than, than Damian Harris
0: too. So there's, there's that as well. And I mentioned, or I kind of wondered out loud if it would be shocking if Damian Harris on the move, if JK Dobbins isn't ready for week one, there's questions with Gus Edwards. Like I could totally see the Ravens being like, Hey, we'll take Damian Harris for, you know, whatever,
1: halfway decent pick. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're just going to go straight into the AFC North now then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's go Bengals Bengals first. Uh, And I guess the the thing that I'm watching here and I mentioned this on our top 12 video that'll be coming out is will the Bengals increase their passing rate similar to what they had during Burrow's rookie season. So in 2020 they were a 64% pass rate and non-garbage time per PFF, 62.3% in 2021, but remember in 2020 Burrow played 10, 11 weeks, yeah. something like that and then got hurt. Uh, They had a 63.7% pass play rate after the week 10 bye this year, so slightly higher than their season after the bye. The first 11 weeks of 2020, they were almost at 68%, and now they have a better offensive line. They have two young star receivers, and we both mentioned in our video it would be great for Joe Mixon if he could replace four carries with one or two receptions a game. So I think I'm just curious to see how this offense evolves this year, because I've seen Burrow as a regression candidate. I'm not sure if that's going to happen because I think he's going to have
1: more volume this year
0: than he did last year.
1: Yeah. We really got to start comparing notes before the pod. Cause um, <laughs> that is my question is can Joe Burrow have a full season of higher pass yards. So just like you were talking about last year, weeks one through six, uh, the Bengals were at a negative 12% pass rate over expectation. I think a lot of that is they were trying to manage Joe Burrow back into what he can be um, by the end of the season, going into the playoffs, they were 14% over. So that's a full 26% swing in pass rate over expectation. Um, if they have a full season where this offense is kind of uncorked there, there's a really high ceiling to it. At The same time, I wonder if Joe Burrow can do a full season of that and whether or not that's sustainable for him. If he'll Um, keep holding onto the football too long every time, you mean? That's my point. He very famously on a podcast about three months ago said he sees sacks on third down as as a net positive because they're just going to end up punting anyways if he doesn't get a good throw, um, which makes sense. But if you're dropping back 40 times a game and getting hit, like in the playoff game against the Titans, eight times, um, and you already have a torn ACL – it gets a little worrisome and as a coaching staff you probably want to protect your franchise quarterback and i could very likely see them going back to a more run heavy option if joe burrow's just holding the ball for too long
0: yeah i will say even though um is awesome they were one of the teams and i don't remember where i saw this graph sometime recently where they were you know awesome passing the ball and actually not very good running the ball so they were like one of the team's highlighted, like hey they really should pass the ball more but they should pass the ball more in the Super Bowl too and that probably cost them that game
1: well it definitely cost them that game especially putting in p-run but yes
0: yes p-run was probably the big error there but okay the Browns and you know what unless you have a lot to say on them I just kind of want to hold off for the most part on this team because it just all depends on what happens with Deshaun Watson right like if he gets four games six games eight games the whole season doesn't get suspended for eight games and gets eight at the end of the season we have no idea what's gonna happen at this point it does really no good to speculate I'll say two things before I'll hand it over to you see if you have anything is number one it was interesting to see that they had had conversations about Jimmy Garoppolo previously, and that popped up again on Twitter yesterday. So that'll be something to at least monitor and would make sense as an upgrade over his former teammate, Jacoby Brissett at, at quarterback. They did just sign Josh Rosen. So they're really uh, padding the depth chart uh, there. Former and then first rounders. if Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback for the full season, I think Amari Cooper is going to get dropped down about 15 to 20 spots in my ranks. Those are, those are my two things.
1: Yeah, so the first thing I'll say just kind of adding to the Jimmy Garoppolo discourse. Uh the Browns trade with the Panthers for Baker Mayfield legitimately opened up enough cap space for them to pay Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, which is why it's very interesting because there's not a lot out there in free agency anymore. Um so very interesting there. It's pretty a much lot- either
0: there or the Seahawks. Those are like the only two. Yeah. The musical and, chairs and- were stopped everywhere else. Everyone else has a seat.
1: And in all honesty, it makes the most sense for Jimmy Garoppolo to want to play in Cleveland because it probably fits his skill set best in a heavy play-action, good offensive line mm. uh, team. Second of all, I mean, it. I just I agree with you. I don't want to talk about this team until we know about Watson. Um, but if you're doing like underdog and you're looking for some arbitrage plays, if Deshaun Watson somehow avoids a full-year suspension, uh, you can get any of the other wide receivers on this team for so cheap anthony yeah. schwartz is 111th in adp for wide receivers D- donathan people jones is wide receiver 77 or even like i bet and, david
0: david the joker can't be too expensive either he's probably no. like tie, like 15 to 18 somewhere in there be my guess
1: yeah and then david bell's wide receiver 82 so you can just grab them like the 17th round if you're looking for like an arbitrage play and watson's back and they're fighting for a playoff spot uh but that's really my only advice here i wouldn't if you're in a redraft league, I wouldn't draft any Browns until you know anything. I would just let them fall at ADP. I would tell my league, "Can we please wait until we know yeah. <laughs> until we know the Deshaun Watson
0: news?" Thank you. Um, okay, Dalton, the Ravens. I'll let you start us off. What are you watching with
1: with this team? There's a ton of storylines here that I'd rather get into on different pods. So I'm just going to uh, punt on this one and say uh nevermore Lamar uh, right now he's QB five in ADP. He needs to be like QB three or two. Uh, I don't understand people putting like Kyler Murray in front of Lamar Jackson uh, because they're kind of the same player, but Kyler's worse at everything he does than Lamar, maybe deep balls. Uh, L- Lamar is probably going to be like my most loved quarterback because he's the cheapest of the top of the top of the top, the Mahomes, the Allen and Jackson, in my opinion. Yeah. And, he wasn't even bad last year. The problem was he was hurt. Yeah. If you watch the Colts game, I mean, you saw why he was MVP. Against the Colts <laughs> last year, he went 40 or 43 of 37, 450 passing yards, four touchdowns and 62 yep. rush yards for 42 fantasy points. Like I don't know what world you're not drafting him and what world you're like even I would pro- probably put him above Mahomes at this point just because of offensive concerns with Mahomes compared to Lamar I mean he's probably my QB too I
0: I, to I, I have all three of those guys kind of in the same tier so yeah. I, I think it's reasonable to argue any of them I'm cheating I'm basically taking what would be my number one training camp storyline and just inserting it into today only because it's timely with all the JK Dobbins stuff that happened earlier this week so for anyone who who hasn't seen this or isn't like completely up to date Ian Rapoport said on TV and then maybe again on Twitter, but on TV. And then it got tweeted out that Dobbins is no sure thing for week one. And he basically reiterated that the injury was a serious one, which I do think people forget. It was ACL and then it damaged his LCL too, which was supposed to lengthen his recovery and just make it more of an injury risk in in general. So I think people forget that part. Then J.K. Dobbins goes on Twitter and says, you know, exact words here. I might not even go on the PUP because that's how good my rehab is going. And I'm damn sure going to be ready by week one. Dalton, why do we think the Ravens stuff, can't, the J.K. Dobbins stuff,
1: came out for me in Rappaport? Who, who could have told him, I wonder? Well, and I'm glad you put the storyline on here and I thought you would. Uh, the Ravens did. And we know the Ravens did because they're clearly trying to manage expectations with Dobbins.
0: Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Why would the Ravens do that? Why would they do that? (laughs) Why would the Ravens do that? Because they're trying to lower expectations for a guy coming back from a serious injury. And the main reason I wanted to talk about it is because I saw multiple people like analysts, like people who have the blue check marks say either on Twitter or on their websites. Oh, do- I, I feel a lot better now after Dobbins came out and said what he said. It's like, really? You do? <laughs> like, like I, I think you have to take the team at a lot more face value than the player at this point. And this is just going to be something we have to watch for the next month. Does he start on the PUP? How does he look in camp? How many days off is he getting? It's just, there's going to be so much to keep up with, with this. And I don't think you should say okay everything is fine now after Dobbins fired back well
1: and Dobbins doesn't have a say in the matter I mean he's a rookie running back in the NFL no one really wants to trade for a guy coming off an injury it's not like he can hold out on a rookie contract and the Ravens get final say if he's going to play and we we've seen this all offseason you and me have been very skeptical both players in this backfield coming off ACL tears Mm -hmm. because they brought in Melvin Gordon they drafted Tyler Batty. They had a ton of prospective running backs come into that room. and well, they the signed third, Mike Davis. He's the one who yeah, ultimately ends up there of the veterans. It's very clear the Ravens do not feel comfortable with that backfield. I do not feel comfortable with it. This could be a situation where you go into like week three or four and we're, we're wondering where Dobbins is, or he's getting eight or nine carries a game. And as a fantasy manager, you hate your life because you're going to draft him in the fifth round.
0: Yeah. I, I think this is going to be obviously a, a training camp storyline for the reasons I said, you're just going to have, I'm not ready to jump to any grand conclusions yet. I, I don't think you are either. I want to see how this plays out in camp over the next month or so. And then during the season, if he does start off slow like that, he is going to be a, now it's going to take some guts, but he's going to be a buy low guy that if he does actually hit and bounce back, you could win your league. If he starts off that slow and his manager is that worried, which I mean, it could also blow up on your face and cost you
1: your league, too. Like, it's just going to be a fascinating situation to watch all season. Yeah, and would love to hear about Gus DeBus' ACL recovery because uh, he is a guy I would like to draft.
0: <laughs> all right, the Steelers. Uh, I have a feeling we may have the same storyline here. Mine I think is, we do. Mine is, is Deontay Johnson still going to be treated like the top priority on this team? Is that yours? Mine's a little bolder, but it's in the same vein. Okay. So this team has pretty much said we're not paying him after this year. A Steelers beat writer whose name escapes me pretty much said, yeah, he's not going to be here next year on a recent podcast that I I listened to.
1: Well, and that's not just, just so anybody listening is aware. I don't remember the name of the beat writer either, but that beat writer's basically a mouthpiece for the Steelers organization he is the Brian Schefter of the Steelers or the Adam Schefter of the Steelers Brian Windhorst and Adam Schefter (laughs) just combined forces there but why would they do that (laughs) why would they do that
0: (laughs) I'm gonna abuse that I think Deontay Johnson is a outstanding player I do think a lot of people agree that maybe he was propped up a bit by a guy in Big Ben who had no arm couldn't move and didn't want to be hit. And Deontay Johnson is great at getting open quickly. Now I will say the opposite could also be true. Deontay Johnson could have also been held back by big Ben. We don't really know that yet, but what we do know is Chase Claypool, I think has a more elite just talent profile. He has not produced like Deontay Johnson has, but he did score 13 touchdowns as a rookie. And then you have Pickens who was a very polarizing prospect who I think if he didn't
1: have the knee injury, Probably would have been one of the top three receivers drafted. Most most annoying evaluation I've ever done in my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, people were all over the place with him. And the thing is, when he he, so he goes to the Steelers, and I'm like, okay, I kind of have to trust it a little bit because their track record is just so good picking receivers over the last couple decades. And you have Heinz Ward, Emmanuel Sanders. Obviously, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool now, Antonio Brown be, being the biggest one. I feel like I'm Santonio Holmes, I, I believe, was another one, too. They, they just they nail their receiver picks. I know Claypool has been rightfully scapegoated by for basically not being an adult yet. I think that's kind of allowed Deontay Johnson to fly under the radar with his drops a little bit. I don't remember. I, I think it may have been Adam Levitan made this crack the other day that Claypool was getting eviscerated in the game that he had like 80, 80 yards. And celebrated the first down too long when Deontay Johnson dropped two touchdowns in that game. So there is a little bit of that going on. I just think Johnson is playing with one guy who is more talented than him from a pure athlete standpoint. And another who, I mean, maybe could be. He's not going to get paid by the team. They also drafted Calvin Austin, just another body. I'm just curious to see the pecking order. And how those guys line up this year, because there's no slot guy right now. Maybe Chase Claypool becomes that guy. Maybe Calvin Austin's that guy, and those other two are on the outside. We'll see.
1: Well, I was willing to go on a father limb and say I'm going to draft Claypool and no Deontay Johnson this year. <laughs> um, well, Claypool is much cheaper to the tune of about well, 30 spots at receiver. And that's fitting for me to pick the cheaper option, because <laughs> uh, it's easier to be right when they're less expensive. But Deontay right now in normal people drafts is – going 40 right now so right around the 3-4 turn Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's really expensive because with big ben he could kind of hit that that upside and he was kind of safer there um claypool's going at 105 so i mean he's basically for free in most leagues and last year he's not quite free but you're not drafting him as a starter Exactly. So you can just wait and see. With Deontay, you're, you're like, I need you to produce week one with a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. in a bad offensive environment. I think it'll um, probably be Mitch Trubisky, but yeah. Well, that Nickelodeon player of the year. Um, <laughs> but Big Ben had the lowest A dot of any quarterback in the last, uh, to start all 17 games Well, and then De-
0: Deontay's was like six as
1: a result yeah. of that. Well, and it matched Deontay's play style because Deontay was coming off the line and doing a curl route. And then Claypool is running go routes in this offense. Well, unfortunately, when you're running a go-route with a quarterback who throws the ball in a half second, you're never going to be open. It's impossible.
0: Well, and Matt Harmon's pointed this out, Claypool is truly terrible when it comes to contested catches, which is pretty puzzling given how, how big and strong and fast he is. You would think that he'd be good at that, but he has yeah. not
1: been so far. And the other issue is that there was no play action in this offense to create separation amongst wide receivers. It was all contested catches, and like you just said. Claypool's just not a contested catch wide receiver, but a play action is what gives your wide receiver the chance to create separation. Despite that last year, Chase Claypool was 28th in the league in separation in an offense. Well, and it was, it
0: it was big Ben's offense last year, last couple of years. It'll be Matt Canada's now. And it's funny. We always get the storylines with the Steelers the last couple of years with Ben's like, okay, they're going to run jet sweeps now. Like we're really getting crazy. Like he's forgetting Chase Claypool on jet sweeps and things get a little interesting.
1: Yeah. Big Ben was just a dinosaur in the NFL at that point. He didn't like the way the new NFL was played. There was hardly any motion in the offense. There was hardly any play action. All of those things lend themselves to Claypool's play style uh, and Deontay Johnson in a lesser sense, but it's just Claypool can really shine in an environment where he wasn't allowed to as long as he doesn't celebrate first downs or go to bars and fight people and do all of that. I'm I'm just curious to see
0: what the pecking order ends up being this year. And if it is still Deontay Claypool and then insert third guy, if it's Deontay by a wide margin, or if it's pretty indistinguishable between those two guys. I think that'll be it could something. be
1: like claypool move. You
0: never know. <laughs> that would be nice for some people. Okay. <laughs>
1: the AFC South, uh, the Colts, Dalton. Uh, can we just like skip? this entire division the only thing Um, I want to say on the Colts is
0: will there be a third guy that we should care about in Indianapolis besides quarterback just talking position players you have Michael Pittman and you have Jonathan Taylor is there a third guy I think if Alec Pierce and Naheem Hines are like there those are probably the top two candidates Paris Campbell being a candidate maybe Jelani Woods at tight end if you're getting really frisky um but Mo'ally, i mo Ali, mo Ali's still that jelani uh, woods are
1: literally the same player I for know. what it's worth
0: so i think what will probably happen is it's just a committee of guys and then so then it's really nobody you can trust and you'll it'll just be about hitting the right week if you're putting one of them in your lineup for whatever reason but if one of them were to emerge above the others there is some value to be had so that's really the main thing i'll, I'll be watching
1: yeah, I will say, out of all of them, this is going to be much to the chagrin of Eli, uh, loved listener. I think it's Paris Campbell because he's a – I disagree. I I I put. I know you th- – I'll, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll bet you right now straight up Alec Pierce versus well, Paris Campbell. Electric bet to start well, off the season.
1: I'm making the bet. I, I need Campbell to stay healthy, which is the biggest problem. Uh, but I think if <laughs> he stays much. healthy, he's going to do it, and he's going to be the guy. But I'll take the bet uh, because that is such – uh, just a a lovely July bet makes all the sense that no one's going to be talking about these guys come September. <laughs> that I'll take it right now. Harris um, Campbell
0: get hurt like in week four, and Alec Pierce will be, have played like five
1: games by week, yeah. by week eleven. <laughs> exactly, they'll be like all Paul, our Paul Perkins versus Jeff Janis bet. Oh, that was such a good bet. <laughs> uh, my real takeaway though is Michael Pittman. It's wide receiver one season yeah. last year with a bad quarterback. He had over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. He's one of only 11 wide receivers with 25% of the team's targets and 30% of the air yards and go look up like how Matt Ryan targets his wide receiver ones cuz he just targets the living heck out of them. Yep. Uh obviously Julio Jones like kind of skews that a little bit, but even with Calvin Ridley in their limited time together, it's like a 33% target share and he's not Julio Jones, but Michael Pittman has put up really good NFL numbers with some really bad quarterbacking. Well, and perhaps most importantly, he's clearly the top receiver on, on this. Team. Yeah. There's nobody contesting him for that. Um, so I think he's one of those guys I'd probably reach for at the end of the second round in drafts if he's there. I haven't looked at uh, non-smart people ADP recently. So I don't know how low he's fallen. Cause he doesn't, he's not a sexy pick, but I think he's like a dark horse top five wide receiver candidate this year.
0: Well, I can tell you I have my draft – or I have the Colts preview up right now. He has wide receiver 16 on Fantasy Pros.
1: Yeah, so um, last year Cooper Cup was actually wide receiver 16, and yep. I would say Pittman has like an outside shot of being this year's Cooper Cup if we're doing that really Woo. tiring narrative. I love that narrative. <laughs> All
0: right, the Jaguars. Um, can Trevor Lawrence take a step forward? I think that is actually multiple steps forward. And I think kind of like the Dolphins, that is really what matters here. They have fewer good players than the Dolphins. But if Lawrence is anywhere close to the same level he was last year, which was very bad, he – like Travis Etienne is going to be the only guy we care about on on this roster this year, I think. They spent all kinds of money to remake that pass-catching group, which, you know – Say what you will about the actual caliber of guys they brought in and the money that, like the contract they gave, Christian Kirk. It's still an upgrade. They still have major upgrades that receiver compared to last year. If anyone's seen the the video going around, it was in the the Texans Jaguars preview on the newsletter that Ian Hartitz put out. They had their their receivers just had some brutal brutal drops last year. But even so. There was literally nothing you could point to last year and say that Lawrence was good besides a couple of flash plays. Like the play where he dropped the snap and threw the touchdown to Marvin Jones was probably the best play of the season last year. For him, the coaching should be much, much better. So he's got that going for him. The offensive line, hopefully a little bit better. The weapons should be better as well. I think ETN will will help him too. Um, I told you I had Trevor Lawrence stat to pull up in a bookmark tweet. It's from Warren Sharp. 284 quarterbacks have had 500 or more attempts since 2000. Trevor Lawrence's touchdown-to-interception ratio was fifth worst among 284 quarterbacks in the last 22 years or 21 years. And it was the second worst by any rookie in that stretch. So it was bad last year. But this was a generational prospect coming out. There is definitely still hope that he can improve, and he's going to have to to elevate anybody, including himself, and the fantasy relevance besides Travis Etienne.
1: Yeah, Um, and my takeaway is actually just draft a a Jagger here in your draft uh, because they're so cheap you can really get just about any of them. Uh, Etienne's probably the most expensive with like a sixth round ADP. I think Christian Kirk is a really good pick because the money's there and they're probably going to want to make that look worthwhile. Uh, But just, just to tell you how bad this team is, last year before the buy. They averaged 1.8 touchdowns per game. Which <laughs> I thought you were going to say 1.8 points per game. Like, you know what? Uh-huh. I believe it. <laughs> uh, no, 1.8 touchdowns per game, which is bad. Don't get me wrong. Post by, which is normally when teams and more importantly, rookies get better, they averaged 0. 0.6 touchdowns per game. They got worse. Uh, you can't really do that. It's very hard to do in the NFL. Uh, especially with you having well, the bye week. if you In case you forgot, there was uh, some turmoil during the yes. season.
0: Uh, I think the head coach may have um, been fired. I don't recall. He um, might have stayed in Ohio.
1: Yeah, may have went to a bar perhaps. Yeah. Um, so I do like just taking dart throws at some of the, the players on this team. The one player that I'm not going to take a dart throw at, not even in like underdog drafts, am I bothering to draft him is LaVisca Chenault. it's i mean it's just over like he needs to get traded and that's your only hope and he hasn't he's a slot player they have like six slot players this coaching staff is not impressed with him the last wasn't impressed with him he has such a specific usage pattern that you need the right team to use it so uh i am i'm ready to to call it those Those rumors those
0: rumors about him and the chiefs were exciting for about five seconds there I think I was the main arbiter of those rumors. (laughs) No, Nate Taylor. (laughs) Oh, you're right. Was throwing those out too. So that was a a guy that they were targeting. So it wasn't wasn't just you. Um, The last thing I'll say on this team is I think James Robinson would have to be proven to be like Hercules himself for me to draft him at RB 39. At this point, I why why are we doing this?
1: This guy tore his Achilles not much earlier than Chris Godwin tore his ACL. I was looking at that and I couldn't make sense of his ADP. in underdog it's like seventy. It's really low. Yeah. But in in non-underdog leagues, it's very high. Yeah, it's RB thirty
0: nine on fantasy pros
1: as of two days ago. And there's a very high chance he doesn't play till December when like it's yeah. not important where your team's at. Like he, you should, he, he he could just miss the whole season. Like that's not he, possible. He very well could. And this isn't like I know like I was pretty down on James Robinson until he until etienne got hurt last year Mm -hmm. but do not draft him he's a running back coming off an achilles injury and he is not cam Akers, who had an ungodly recovery and still is a very questionable fantasy pick at rb19 we'd have to
0: see some miraculous stuff in this preseason for for that even anywhere anything around that price to make sense to me
1: absolutely i agree
0: Okay, the Broncos, I think where this starts and ends is... Are we just
1: skipping the Titans and the Texans? Oh, yeah, no, Titans and Texans,
0: <laughs> you're right, you're right. I really wanted to move on from this division. We could okay. just move quickly through these two, but right. wow, Tex- Evan. Texans, Brandon Cooks, I'm just curious if this ADP is going to inflate as we get closer to the season. Wide receiver 24, up one spot from earlier this week. Can't can't help but thank my team preview, bumped him up one spot um wide receiver 17 last year he has six 1000 yard seasons in eight years Davis Mills in weeks 13 through 18 was QB 12 last year not saying I'm expecting that but I am expecting like a competent situation for Brandon Cooks and I- I'll say give me cooks over the uncertainty of like Mark Cooper who's in the mid-teens right now all-, all day every day the last four games of the season last year that mostly coincided with with Davis Mills being good Cooks was 11th in points per game, top five in targets per route run at 33%, and that's with him missing one game in that stretch, so that's why I pulled out points per game. I think he was like wide receiver 14 or something like that while even missing a game, so he was awesome down the stretch. He's going to be awesome again this year. He's a
1: value right now. Curious to see if
0: that value goes away the next month.
1: Yeah, and I agree with all of that. Big Brandon Cooks lover over here. Um, my takeaway was that Davis Mills is the most proven twenty twenty one fantasy quarterback out of that twenty twenty one quarterback in class. Um, yeah, it's close between he and Mac Jones. Uh, crazy, which that sounds. yeah. Um, I mean, Brandon Cooks had the highest finish of any wide receiver with any of those quarterbacks. Um, meanwhile, there are guys going above him who are going to have rookie quarterbacks. Debo, I understand why Debo is going that high. Don't get me wrong, but he's getting Trey Lance. There's some question there. Christian Kirk is going at 31 right now with a rookie or a second year quarterback. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Travis Etienne, and even Elijah Moore all have these inflated price tags, and then Brandon Cooks is, is deflating. And I don't understand that. And I think that people are really disrespecting Davis Mills. And I just want to be on record: I do respect Davis Mills. I like <laughs> the. Ayuk- I respect him and his very long neck. Yes. Um, I also think that like Nico Collins is a sneaky late round pick. If, if Davis Mills takes another step forward, um, this is the only quarterback who proved he could throw for 300 yards, like on repeated occasions.
0: Well, I said in, in my preview that obviously you're not drafting him, but John Metchie is a guy that I would maybe like the pre waiver wire is a thing in fantasy football, like going and picking up a guy like a week or two before he's going to be back from injury if he does miss games, which I would expect he probably would, he tore his ACL at the very end of the season last year. Um, he'll probably be like an October-ish type of guy when he's back. I would pick him up in stash, and if you've got the room, just to see how it plays out, because he, he's not going to be a star in the NFL, but he's at least going to be a good slot receiver, I think. And those are the types of guys who can sometimes translate much quicker than the guys with the higher upside in the yeah. draft classes, but are, but are more raw.
1: Yeah, the team's gonna build. That they're better than they were last year. I think they're gonna be one of the teams that people are like, "Oh, the Texans like actually are putting up consistent points, and like there's some fantasy relevance on them. Nothing sexy. Don't get me wrong. Cooks a little sexy. The rest of the team not. But there's gonna be contributors for people who need stand-ins on bye weeks. Well, here's my hot take:
0: Texans and Titans are gonna be battling for second in this division. I think the Titans are gonna be bad. Their over under is like nine and a half. I'm I'm hard on that on that under. And then just with the fancy takeaway, it's like Derrick Henry and who else? What 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 else do we have going on in this offense? Dalton, Traylon Burks, like we. I don't think the asthma's uh, as much of a thing as much
1: as he's just out of shape and Mike Grable is pissed off. Uh, oh, about uh, that. yeah, I, I went just way down takeshtr on this one because it's Robert Woods, wide right? receiver, one season for me. Um, sounds like he's going to be back. His ACL tear was early enough that he should be able to play, and his rehab's ahead of schedule based on what I was reading on the Athletic. Um, He has the highest blocking grade of any wide receiver the last two seasons. And I know like that's not a fantasy stat, but if you recall Julio Jones lost snaps in this offense last year because of poor blocking and Mm -hmm. that's Julio freaking Jones. So Woods is going to be the every down wide receiver. Um, He had the fourth highest separation on play action passes last year before the ACL tear. And that's a really, really good stat in this team that runs a lot of play action and needs highly efficient players. And, uh, my, my last note here is just Traylon Burks might already be washed. Uh, well, let's, like, let's not go, go that far. But th- this wide receiver room is so open for a vet like him to take it. And it's just going to be like a Brandon cooks s scenario where he's going to be the guy who gets the, the targets and gets the plays. And he is a talented receiver um, who is going to do well in this offense. And right now his ADP is wide receiver 43. Uh, so he's basically free. Like he's going below Drake London. And I think that Ryan Tannehill's proven more than Marcus Mariota that he can at least sustain a wide receiver.
0: Or even better in Tennessee than Marcus Mariota, that's for sure. Um <laughs> I, I am a little worried about Woods just because that that's a 32-year-old receiver coming back from a torn ACL. So I I'm just a little skeptical that we're gonna see the version of Robert Woods that we remember. But if we do, yeah, then that's going to turn into a great value. Um, I mentioned this on the top 12 show that will be out soon, but Derrick Henry averaged an absurd 27.4 carries per game last season. And I'm just curious, are they going to finally dial it back? Like I said, I think they're going to be battling with the Texans for second place. And that's not a compliment in this division. I think both teams are going to be bad does Tannehill get the whole season this year? Does Malik Willis start any games at any point this year? Like somebody outside of Henry is going to have to step up to make this offense decent. Otherwise, the rebuild might be on
1: quicker than people think. I uh, yeah, and I think this team should go into rebuild. The only problem is they have a good enough coach who like gets them just there every year in Mike yeah. Rabel. Um, But this team sucks on paper i mean it really does Yep, at least on on offense absolutely yeah absolutely on offense
0: okay we're finally to the afc west makes sense to save the best division for last when we're trying to press for time uh the broncos dalton i think what this all comes down to um i wanted to save some of the training camp like what i'm watching for their receivers until next week the biggest overarching storyline is going to be can Russ still cook? I think the answer is yes, but it does seem like everybody is just saying it's going to happen and he's going to automatically go back to being awesome when he was not good for big chunks of last year. I know there were a lot of reasons. He was good to start the year that he had the injury and then he came back too soon, but it, he wasn't like great down the, like by Russell Wilson standards, he was not great down the stretch. I think the answer is yes, but the level that he plays at is going to either make the ADPs for these guys turn in the steals because, kind of like the Chiefs, we don't know what to do with these guys. Or so, do we? Oh, so they're kind of bunched up, um, the top two, and then Tim Patrick is lower down. But like, if Russell Wilson's awesome, then Cortland Sutton's gonna be a value. I can tell you that already right now, and he's gonna make people feel dumb for for doubting these guys to the extent that we are. Or if he's just not as good as we thought this year, we're going to feel dumb just as a whole ranking like six guys in the top, like 120, like we are with this team.
1: Yeah. Well, and it goes back to like the Bengals probably are an example of this last year where there were values there and then they showed out because their quarterback was good. He was just hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, Different injuries, but same, same. Uh, Are we ready for flag plant season? Because I talked about this a little bit earlier today on Twitter, but I'm ready. Uh, don't draft Jerry Judy. Just don't do it. Uh, I think that this wide receiver room has two alphas, and their names are Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick.
0: Man, I like Tim Patrick. I don't think he's an alpha, though, I will say. But I will say, they did pay Tim Patrick. Jerry Judy is the guy that
1: hasn't got the investment yet. Well, you can blame Evan Silva for this take. But first... This front office is a new front office. Didn't draft Jerry Judy. Not doesn't always mean a lot with wide receivers, but they paid Tim Patrick. They paid, they paid him wide receiver money, like starting money. And yeah, it was like, it was
0: like three years, like 34, 36 yeah. million, something
1: like that. And Cortland Sutton is one year removed from everybody thinking he was going to be a breakout. The reason he didn't break out was he tore his ACL and then he played. And this entire wide receiver room played with absolutely horrendous quarterbacking last year. Um, he is a huge big body separator in the red zone, really fits the archetype for Russell Wilson on his downfield throws. And then it just feels right with Tim Patrick. Like Russell Tim Patrick
0: Wilson's, does just produce
1: whenever he's called upon. Well, and that's the thing is that Russell Wilson in Seattle had to be so efficient that all of his wide receivers from Lockett to Baldwin to Metcalf were these like efficiency freaks, like four for four for a hundred yards and two touchdowns, games like that. And those are like Tim Patrick's stat lines. It just makes yeah, sense. except the Drew
0: Locke version of that is four
1: catches for 45 yards in one. Th- yes. Down. Yes. <laughs> um and the last thing, and like this is probably like the offense as a whole. Um, but I went and dug this up just to have a point. Jerry Judy's like yards per separation dropped 0.2 last year, which is pretty significant. From a I will say, standpoint. To, to, to give a little
0: pro-Judy, or at
1: least non-negative-Judy here, hear he it. had the
0: high ankle sprain in week one. Everyone thought this guy was like the next big thing, the first three-fourths of week one last year when he looked awesome. And then he got hurt, and then he wasn't.
1: Yes. The team had just fallen apart, and he wasn't as good by the time he got back. But I'm flag-planting it. I'm going to put Jerry Judy at like wide receiver 28, put Sutton at like wide receiver 12. And Tim Patrick might put him in the top thirty-six. Just going to say,
0: that's what I wanted to hear because everyone, Pat, Tim Patrick. If you have him in the fifties, it's like, wow, this guy loves Tim Patrick. He, I've not seen him anywhere above above the fifties yet. Yeah, I think I'm flag
1: planting. Although um, well, I don't Denver have Broncos access to team. Evan,
0: I don't have access to Evan Silva's ranks because I have to pay money for those. So.
1: Well, he went on the Athletic and he talked very negative, not negatively, but he flag planted for Sutton and Patrick and let uh, Jerry Judy out to dry. Okay,
0: Dalton. The Chargers. I'm interested in how this balance is going to work out. Justin Herbert improvement versus regression for Austin Eckler and Mike Williams.
1: You're nodding your head. Um, I am I out of the Chargers like entirely? I think I maybe Isaiah Spiller. But when you look at this team, I bu- I
0: bookmarked this tweet just for you. Austin, this is from the fantasy footballer. Jonathan Taylor had 89 red zone rushing attempts, the most of all time. Yet Eckler, with 40 fewer carries, outpaced Taylor in fantasy points inside the red zone. His 10 fantasy points per game in the red zone was the second best
1: over the last decade. That's absurd, first of all. But second of all, this team feels like fool's gold. And I'm going to say it. It's not a fact of... I. I like Justin Herbert a lot. I think he's very good. I don't think he's the problem. You just—you're a cranky old man who hates analytics and Brandon Staley. I guess. No, what I hate is Keenan Allen turning 32. Can he keep it up? We just had the same concerns with Robert Woods. Then Mike Williams. I know Keenan Allen is
0: not coming off of an ACL repair. Yes. to be clear.
1: But you—you you just expect some regression at those ages. I'm not saying Probably. he's going to put up like 500 yards, but I'm saying, you know, there's some problems there. If he gets hurt or Mike Williams gets hurt, that wide receiver room sucks. I mean, I love Josh Palmer for his like price, but he's he's not a wide receiver two right now. And then it's Jalen Guyton, Austin Eckler, Efficiency King uh, is also getting relatively old for a running back. Who who is their who's their red zone target? Jared Cook's gone. Um, I think Parham. Oh, Parham. People are excited about him. We'll see if he can play after the last time he was on the field and got carded off. It didn't look good. Um, I just, I mean, I really like Isaiah Spiller and that's the player I'm going to draft on this team because I think they're still going to score points. I think this out of every team and I want to look closer at it has the most inflated ADPs. And I think offensively they could, they're the most likely to regress because I really like last year, I loved Mike Williams. This year he's very expensive. And I don't really trust Mike Williams at that price tag. See, Mike Williams is either a value or a bust and I can't decide (laughs) which
0: because you know I think Herbert is still going to keep getting better because most young quarterbacks do a guy of that caliber now that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have better numbers you can get better as a football player and not put up better stats than the year before yes but he also could put up better stats I I think we both agree Eckler's regressing he's not scoring 24 total touchdowns or whatever it was Mike Williams just had over a thousand yards for the first time in his career. It's tempting to say that he won't do that, but if Eckler's regressing and Keenan Allen is getting older, like it, who else like Mike Williams, I think I really like him. (laughs) I think like Josh Palmer, could he have some value? Could he, could he solidify himself above Guyton this year? I think where I'm going to ultimately land is that we're too low on Mike Williams, who was the wide receiver 10 last year and scored four more points than Keenan Allen, who I don't know where he's going underdog on your prize, but I'm 13, pros, 13, right. He's now. 19 on Fantasy pros right now.
1: Keenan or Mike, uh, Mike
0: Keenan is wide receiver 12. I think on Fantasy pros. See, that
1: feels better than wide receiver 13.
0: See, I actually kind of think that's where he should be is like around that 13 ish it, range.
1: I just really I really and I'm not ready to go all the way there yet, but I think that this offense is going to be like a fantasy disappointment as a whole. You have it's possible. I'm
0: just trying to put the puzzle pieces together and I see
1: I they do I,
0: that? I, <laughs> I see a lot of things that I have a tough time thinking
1: you're going to repeat this year, but then they've they've got one of the best they, like eight they quarterbacks. Do. And maybe it's some fresh blood in the system. Maybe it's Isaiah Spiller. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> um oh, but
0: gosh. Okay. I,
1: I'm not, I, I don't know. I need more time with the Chargers. It is also the Chargers, which every year are like a preseason darling and then fall to pieces by October. So that is it true. is what it is.
0: Although that didn't quite happen last year. Let's let's You're go right. of, let's go out of order and uh It was Travis Kelsey, actually, who destroyed their season last year. Let's go out of order. Yep, okay, and the Raiders. Let's go out (laughs) of order and do the Raiders. We'll get the Chiefs last before we jump out of here. And I think the biggest question that I have is, how much does Devontae Adams elevate this offense, and specifically Derek Carr? I think Derek Carr, you guys talked about that 30 over under. I think he's hitting that this year. I I think he's been on the borderline of – uh, QB starter in fantasy leagues the last couple of years. Like when you say QB 13, I literally think of Derek Carr in my head, which <laughs> that's what he finished last year was QB 13. They do still have Josh Jacobs, but the strength of this offense has drastically shifted to receiver with obviously Waller. Um Renfro is a bona fide stud at this point, And Devontae Adams is probably the best receiver in the NFL or top two or three, at least right now. They have 56% pass play rate on non-garbage time situations last year per PFF and Carr's near MVP season, I think they were like low 60s, so maybe that that should elevate I would think this year. Carr is kind of a sneaky QB10 type of guy, I think maybe this year. What concerns you is that he started off so well last year and was still like only QB11 and then faded down the stretch. But Henry Ruggs was not on the team down the stretch, which I think hurt that offense, too.
1: You know, this is another team where it's like they're going to probably be really good because they have so many weapons, um, and McDaniel seems to be a good offensive coordinator and a good head coach. Uh, but you're pay- paying a lot of money for Devontae Adams, and that's about yep. it, which I really like. Um what I am confused about, want to talk about, is what are we, what is going on in this running back room, and who do who do you draft? Josh Jacobs right now is almost where he was. I think at last you, year. I think you draft Josh Jacobs, but you feel real bad about it. <laughs> He's RB twenty two on Underdog right now, and like, well, Dalton they didn't pick up his his, his fifth year option.
0: Why would they do that?
1: Why why? Which is that like is there a non zero chance that like Josh Jacobs? he's like the second running back on the field. Like one of one of like Zaquandre white starts above him. Kenyan Drake plays above. I mean, I do not that... think that
0: will happen, but I don't think he's long for this franchise. They've shifted their investment on the offensive side to receiver and tight end. And they're just not going to be able to pay Jacobs. Like he's not going to command huge money, but he'll command enough money to where it just doesn't make sense. And they probably literally cannot
1: pay him. Are you going to draft him at ADP? He's 22 right now, running backs on underdog. Would what you mean? draft that? Uh, just so you know. Maybe, like who,
0: Yeah, that's just yeah. in the range of like, who else am I taking there that I feel good? That's why everyone's like, all right, Travis Etienne, new guy. Come on, new guy. <laughs> well, you, you got Brees Hall, Cam Akers. Uh, you know what? I I think I've done a full 180. I think, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm in on Cam Akers this year. <laughs> all right, let's
1: go underneath them because they, they were one spot above a piece. Elijah Mitchell or Josh Jacobs? Well, you know, I think Elijah Mitchell is like, gonna be on my bus list. I've had that since April. Yeah, I think Jacobs might be on my bus list. Um fun times. AJ Dylan. Wow, we're getting into backup territory. AJ Dillon or Josh Jacobs. Oh Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, CH round out underneath him. I would definitely take Gibson over Jacobs,
0: but I think I would take Jacobs over Dylan. But I don't feel good about it and that tells you how far we've fallen. Because as much as I like Dylan, he's not the clear top guy on that team by any means. Damian Harris at 29. I would still take Jacobs over Damian Harris because I don't think Damian Harris is
1: the best running back on his own team. I don't think the team believes in Josh Jacobs. I don't think anybody in the NFL has believed in Josh Jacobs since he came into it but you. The (laughs) The way he's been treated by his coaching staffs and front offices, I think you might be like the Jacobs truther. You know what? Bring him to Kansas City. One-year
0: deal on the <laughs> Bring him home. He deserves to be in KC. Uh oh, Are we
1: okay. down to the best team in the we're, division?
0: We're down to the Chiefs. I'm going to guess we have similar things we're watching here. I think the wide receiver totem pole in Kansas City is one of the stories in fantasy football. As far as specific things that I'm watching for, we'll save that for next week. But... Really, I just want uh, – we'll just – it'll be so important for the season for this team, do any of them separate from the pack? How many of them are relevant fantasy-wise this year? It's a little bit like the Broncos where nobody is too high in ADP but just a little bit of a lower scale, besides Kelsey, uh, obviously, as a pass catcher because nobody feels comfortable in declaring any of these guys as like the top one or two. And I think this is one of the biggest opportunities for value, like with right there with the Packers in, in fantasy football this year. If Juju, I'm going off fantasy pros here, if he doesn't finish higher than his wide receiver 34 ADP, I can almost guarantee you that at least one of Skymore, MVS, or McCole Hardman will have a top 50 season. And none of those guys are going in the top 50. There is no shot that what their ADP is will be how, the, how it actually shakes out. I think we're either going to see multiple guys elevate into starter, into the starter realm, or we're going to see Juju as a top like fifteen to twenty receiver. If those other guys are all in the fifties, that's what I think.
1: Um, we do have the same takeaway. Other one uh, I don't want to talk about because it's Ceh related, uh, <laughs> and that's been a three-year. Speaking issue. of guys who only some who only people on this podcast believe in post-hype sleeper question mark um but my takeaway is don't draft marquez without scaling out of this room i i am not a believer and i think I, you're gonna
0: see some training camp buzz for him because we've seen
1: some off-season buzz for him i and i trust nate taylor um but nate taylor also led me to noah gray and that's not working out for me um uh, to be fair he didn't tell you to draft noah gray in fantasy football anyways um <laughs> Right now at underdog ADP, Juju's 27th, which I feel like is a good spot for him. I might It's, have him it's better higher. than 34, which yeah. he has in fantasy pros. And yeah. then MVS is 44. And if they're, okay, we've done the the Meikle thing like three years in a row. <laughs> if there was ever a year to do it, it's probably this year and no one's doing it. And I feel like we and all it's got... he just had the best season of his career last year, but it still wasn't that good, but it was the best season of his very short career. But like, if you do a blind test of MVS and Mecole next to each other, they're basically the same player. Yeah. And the difference is that Mecole more familiar with this. The, the, the difference is we haven't seen MVS
0: not live up to expectations in Kansas city like we have seen Meikle Harbin not live up to expectations in Kansas City. We kind of forget about it when it happens somewhere else, right? Yeah,
1: it, it's not like MVS came from playing with Daniel Jones. You know, <laughs> he played with the back-to-back reigning MVP and yes. never had a 1,000-yard seasons in a wide receiver room that's just as open as this one. Um, I I mean, Sky Moore at 48 also feels right, uh, but Meikle at 57, like I feel like it should go, in my opinion, Juju, Teardrop, Miko, Sky Moore, MVS, and then like the rest of the guys, Justin Ross, Gordon, Justin Ross, and like, but this, this like discrepancy with Miko really bothers me and probably too much. But yeah. I, I was really happy when Kansas City signed MVS from like a role player perspective. Yeah. But the fantasy community has kind of gone overboard. Um, And I feel like I know Kansas City well enough that I don't think that MVS is the answer in fantasy. I think Mecole has a better skill set, and I am going to pay for reception perception just to prove that MVS runs worse routes than Mecole. And if I'm wrong, (laughs) we're going to start our own reception perception over here the (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I'm going to be a
0: coward, and I'm not ready to, like, fully rank what I think the order of of these guys is yet, and you're free to – to change your mind as, as things develop in camp. But I, I do want to see how things develop in camp before I fully plant my flag on an order. But I will, without a doubt, plant my flag on what we're seeing on Fantasy Pros Juju in the 30s and all of these guys in the 50s. It will not happen. Either Juju will be awesome and all three of these guys will be like, you never know when to start them. Miko have two catches for 75 yards and a touchdown one week and then nothing the next week. Or we're gonna get Juju in the late 20s, early 30s, and then one of those guys, maybe two, like in the 40s, like
1: late 30s, and they're gonna be flex consideration on a weekly basis. It's weird that the best quarterback in the NFL doesn't have a single player with the top 24 wide receiver ADP right no. now. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I
0: mean, Kelsey is the tight end one, so that it. What's more strange. You know, you, you say that and then you look over at Green Bay where there is literally not a pass catcher being drafted in, in the top, like, 36 at receiver and then top, I think Tunyon's like 13 or
1: 14 at tight end. Now, why would fantasy players do that?
0: Why would they do that?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: okay, Dalton, I think we've hit, hit home the AFC points here. We are going to be back with some training camp storylines next week. And I think the Raiders have already started their camp. We're going to have teams that have already started camp. So we'll have some fun things to discuss. Probably some breaking news, I would assume. Probably uh, get some player props in there so I can catch up with you guys. Um, you guys started last week. But thank you guys so much for listening to episode 74 of the Half Point Podcast. You can do it for us today. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point for Pod subscribe to the youtube channel our top 12 video will be out at some point i will not commit to a date um please subscribe to the newsletter to halfpointforpod.substack.com got about three team previews out per week each each preview has two teams in it um so be on the lookout for those leave us a five-star review on itunes listen to us on spotify and we will talk to everybody next week